So as we've been talking about emblems of grace, well, before I begin, if you have been in my small group or heard me talk before, you know that if I am asking a question, I don't mean it like some rhetorical device. I actually want to talk with you, okay? So just there will be a few times during that, so, and don't just be like, you know, just <laughs> go ahead and talk to me. It'll be fun. So, and here's the first one right now. As we've been talking about emblems of grace and just grace from a lot of different perspectives, what has been the, the first like, emotional reaction of your heart? And don't um, answer emotion questions like I do sometimes, like, oh, I think it's good, because that's a thought. I'm looking for, we're looking, like, what, is, what do you feel? What does this make you feel? What is, what is grace, how, how has this been hitting you? Like, what's been your reaction to it? Relief. That was the very first thing said in the first service, too. Um, it's like a, people describe it as like a weight coming off your shoulders. Like, oh, I can, I can rest in this. It's really good. What else? What other emotional reactions have you guys had? Humble. Humble? Yeah, it is really humbling because uh, the whole we talked about how grace is unmerited favor. It's like I can't deserve this, but I get it, and it is really humbling. Yeah, for sure. What else? Accepted, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, it's big enough for anyone. It's, it's like a, an open door of welcome. It's really cool. Anybody else? Blessed, yeah. It's just like an a unaccountable blessing. Like, we'll talk a little bit more about that one. Like, it's, it's more of a blessing than we even know. And even the amount that we know about it is enough to rock our world. But there's more. There's more to know. What else, guys? Anyone else? Confidence, yeah. Oh, man, you're about to start preaching my message, so I might have to stop you there. <laughs> but, yeah, we have confidence through grace. That's, that's, it's like a, it sets us in a direction that we can move in. We'll talk more about that. Robin? Reaction. Okay, you're, you have to stop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, that's where we're headed. That's, um, that's interesting because action is like, that's an interesting emotional reaction. The one that I haven't heard yet and one that has been stirring in my heart, like I want, and I don't always feel this way either, but when I think about God's grace, what about excitement? Isn't it something that could, you know, when you're like, oh, that kind of like, wow, this is, what can I it's like about potential and the future and like an excitement. And so it is like all those things like relief, blessing, acceptance. It's like all of that. But what about, what if we understood it in a way that was exciting? And I want that. I don't, I don't think I always feel it, but I think I just haven't understood the beauty of grace, you know, the full beauty of it. And so I wanted to just kind of show you guys a picture that I see of it in the Bible the true picture of grace is, is beautiful and it's exciting and it's powerful. And I want to look at it in a passage that doesn't use the word grace at all. <laughs> It'll be, it, we're going to be in Psalm 18 today if you want to turn there or swipe there or whatever. Psalm 18 doesn't use the word grace, but it's a, it's a picture of a life that's just covered in it. It's like the whole, the whole psalm is like a series of these images or emblems of grace that we're talking about, the markers that follow a life that's covered by the grace of God. And uh, just to give you a little hint about where we're going, like we're going to see the true beauty of grace, hopefully, in where grace comes from, why we need it, 
and what happens when we get it. All right? That's where we're headed. So as background, uh, Psalm 18 was written by David. And David was, he was a young man when he wrote this. He had already been anointed to be the next king of Israel. But there was already a king, and that guy was trying to kill him. And so he was running away from him and hiding in caves and all sorts of things like that that aren't fun. Even though he already was, like, set, God had put that on him, like, you're the next king. But he wasn't going to take it by force. He was waiting on God's timing. And so he basically, he just went through a lot of persecution. So while his own king was trying to kill him, he was also fighting off other enemies of Israel and hiding in the desert with bad people, basically. So he had a lot of enemies. And it says in the little intro there up at the top that he sang the words of this song, Psalm 18, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from Saul, who was the king that was trying to kill him. So... That's where he was at, and in the beginning of the song, he kind of, well, at the very beginning, it's just such a beautiful, like, beginning of a grace psalm. I love you, O Lord, my strength. That's one of those uh, prayers that you could just pray, like, over and over throughout a day, and it would it'll help you keep going. But, so he starts with that, but then he goes, he, he understands, like, that God's grace is on him, but then he goes back at the beginning to talk about how bad the situation that he was in was. And that's in verses 2 through 5. Basically what he comes to is he, this is, this is where he, what he did. He said, in my distress, in verse 6, in my distress I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help. And from his temple he heard my voice, and my cry came before him into his ears. So he knew, he knew where to go for grace. And a lot of times I think we that we rightly associate God's grace with his love and, and his mercy. But look at, um, look at what happened after David prayed that prayer. This is how he envisions what happened in verse 7. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, and burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down dark clouds under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. And out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered my enemies in great bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. Do you guys ever think about grace like that? Wow, I mean, we think of, uh, of grace as originating from God's love, and it does, but it also originates from his power. It, his grace comes from right out of his power, this majestic thundering power that is clothed in darkness with flashing lightning. This is, this is grace. Because why? it's not like God was, he, you know, this description is not just God like flexing his heavenly muscles. Like, look at me, I'm strong. Why was he doing this? Why? What was the, what was the thing that caused this whole thundering and stuff? 
Yeah, David prayed. He was in trouble. What, what? Man, it's exciting to serve a God that responds to us in trouble like that. Did you ever envision that before? Mm. God's grace is loving, but it is powerful. It is a picture of power. And it's that same, it's that same power, the majestic, thundering, it's hard to even use like words to David, you know, he was he just painted a picture of it, you know, that's what we're kind of talking about. It's hard to really describe what it was like, but it's that same majesty that then reaches down to us in love and acts on our behalf. Maybe you have some enemies that you need scattered today. I mean, want to love our enemies, but like maybe like spiritual forces that are coming against you, you know. Mm. In verse 16, it says, he reached down from on high. So like he's just finished painting this picture of God as, as high as possible. He's on high. No, nothing could be higher or more powerful. He reached down from on high and took hold of me, and he drew me out of deep water. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. In uh, verse 35, it says that God, and your translation might be different, but like it's God's help that makes us great. Or that God like stoops down and scoops us up. You stoop low to make me great, it says in, in the NIV. And that's a, that's a wonderful just a picture of grace is like he understood something so foundational about God that set the trajectory of the whole rest of his life there. God reaches down to us in love. And then it says um, in verse 19 that God, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Ha, that amazing, powerful presence delights in you. You, delights in you. Hmm. And, and he, we'll get to this in a minute, but we talked about it a little more in first service. He brings us out into a place of space where we can, it's like a space of freedom, where we're hemmed in by things. He wants to release us into the things that he has for us. And it's that, that thundering power that, like, lifts us into that spot. So it's a, it's, isn't it beautiful? Like, that's beautiful to me. So then after we get to, you know, David's talking about how this amazing power, he's understood something so fundamental about the source of grace originating from God's power. But then he gets to this part, and this one, this one could change your opinion of David if, if you didn't know him. I mean, this, this is a challenging little passage in the middle of this psalm because it doesn't sound like he's talking about grace anymore here. So let's, uh, this, is, this is what David said after, you know, he said, God rescued me because he delighted in me. So he understood that the rescue was just because God had favor on him. Like, he gets that. And then he says in verse 20, listen, listen to this. Imagine yourself saying this. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and kept myself from sin. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. 
according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. Uh, how many of you are willing to pray that one with a straight face, huh? <laughs> I mean... I joke about it, but wait a second. Did David need grace? I mean, yes is the right answer. Hey, way to, way to go. That one actually was a rhetorical question. I didn't realize it, but, um, but thanks anyway. The, uh, did he need grace? Of course. He, so he was real young when he wrote this, and maybe if we could even give him the most credit possible, maybe he had been totally blameless up to this point. This is before he became king. Um, Maybe so. Maybe he really was blameless like that. But this is also the same guy that later on wrote Psalm 51, which is, you know, it's, it's basically, Father, forgive me because I have irreparably messed everything up. Like, there's no sacrifice left even for what, to atone for what I've done. I just need you to erase it out of your book because I can't even... You know, just cover it over, spill the ink on it, because I can't do anything about it. So, after he, you know, after we, you know, murder someone or commit adultery or are beset with pride, are we not allowed to pray this psalm anymore? You know, because that'll happen to him later. Was he stuck in Psalm 51? He couldn't go back and sing this song? It has to be that he was allowed to go back. This is in the songbook. This is like the worship songs. It's like our list in the computer back there of all the songs that we have in PowerPoint. That's what Psalms is. You know, it's like this is the song sheets of their church. And so, like, people would go and sing this. So how could he do that? I think in verse 28, it gives us a little bit of a clue there. He says, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning my God turns my darkness into light. I believe David was confident before the Lord, but I don't think he thought he was perfect. I think he knew that he needed God's help to turn his darkness into light even then. And, you know, God turning our darkness into light is what Jesus came to do, right? He bought that right for us at the highest price possible. As one of my favorite rappers likes to say about grace, I heard it was free. I never heard it was cheap. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing that Jesus did for us. But what he really did in dying for us, coming to die and be raised for us, because what he did is, is allow God's justice and grace to relate to each other. Because we love, we love grace. We, we talk about grace like God just loves to give people what they don't deserve, which he does, but he is just, and he does reward good and punish evil. He does. The thing about it is, is that he's already decided that the punishment part has been taken care of through Jesus. So because of Jesus, you know, I, I joked about it, but I think we can pray this thing with a straight face because of him. All it takes is understanding whose righteousness was credited for us. Listen to this. The Lord has dealt with me according to Jesus' righteousness. According to the cleanness of Jesus' hands, he's rewarded me. For Jesus kept the ways of the Lord, and he did not do evil by turning from God. All of God's laws were before him, and he never turned away from God's decrees. 
Jesus was blameless before him, and he kept himself from sin. And so the Lord has rewarded me according to his righteousness, according to cleanness of his hands in his sight. Does that sound like you could pray that? Or like our hands are clean. We can pray these things. And really, don't you, as you look back on the things that you've done, don't you need a grace powerful like a thundercloud? Isn't that the one you need to take care of all the things that you did? That's the picture of grace here. This thundering grace is stooping low to us and lifting us into the place of favor that we don't deserve. It's so hard to talk about beauty and convey it to somebody, you know? I hope that you guys are seeing the beauty in this. Like, I could try to tell you how beautiful my wife is or how beautiful my son is, but it's like, I don't know. You have to see it. I hope you're seeing it. So then we get to what happens after grace hits us, after we get scooped up. And really, like most of the rest of this psalm, is like little pictures of what happens to people that have been infected with grace. You know, the tendency is for us to, you know, it's right to be relieved by grace. You know, that relief is, is right. And the blessing and the acceptance are all true. But it's easy for us to leave it there and just act like grace is, you know, God, he has the power and he has the power and he lifts us up and all of a sudden, we're just lifted up out of all our troubles and everything is okay. And that's like the end. We, wanna, we just tend to want to leave the story there, right in that place of where things are easy. But uh, listen to what all these descriptions of these things that are coming next. This is what happens to lives that are grace-filled. Psalm 18, verse 29. With your help or favor, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Jumping down to 33. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to stand on the high places. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. What, um, do you guys hear something that all those things have in common? The outworkings of grace, what do they have in common? Yeah, it's warfare and... On even a more simple level, it's just action. There's, they all are things that you do. Like it is, it's something that we might not even expect because we know that grace is given to us not based on our actions, but it is given to us so that we can do something. It's not based on what we've done, but it is given to us for us to do something with it. We've been given grace to do something with it. And to me, that's even more beautiful than everything just being okay. Maybe there will be a mess, but we're given grace because we have things that are meant to do. And maybe this morning you have like a dream building in your heart. Well, that's God's grace because he wants to give you the power to do something with that. That's what we're looking for. Dallas Willard said that grace is not opposed to effort, only to earning. And we can never earn grace by anything that we do. But grace goes hand in hand with doing something because that's how we have the power to do anything in the first place. And, I mean, all these pictures, just look at them. Isn't this the, th the stuff that you need? Advance against a troop? I mean, you ever felt like surrounded by the cares of the world or like by attack in your life or your job? A scale of wall? You ever feel like the enemy puts up a, like a barricade 
What if you just could jump right over that? What if grace is given to you for that? In fact, another translation of the part where it says I can advance against a troop is I could run through a barricade. So either you could go right through the wall or over it. Your choice. That's grace. Man, stand on the high places. You ever stood on something really high and looked out? What a gift that is. Isn't that? Hmm. It's hard to get up there, but that's what grace is for. And my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I kind of want to settle on that one for a while. That's like, that's like emblematic of grace for me. Bows that, you know, people in David's time would have fired were probably made out of what? Wood. Yeah, they were made out of wood usually. All right, so you guys got that one right. Which is easier to bend, a wooden bow or a bronze one? <laughs> yeah, so this is about strength being given to somebody, and that's the, the grace that we're talking about. But it kind of echoes, you know what I said about God's display of strength at the beginning of the psalm? Like, God wasn't just displaying strength just to be like, all right. You know, neither was David supposed to just bend the bow like, mm, just hold it there, you know, make a statue of me. Why would you give somebody strength to bend a bronze bow? To shoot it. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about killing people here. We are talking about the words of God that pierce through to the marrow and divide soul and spirit. If God puts that arrow in your hands, he wants you to be able to fire it. <laughs> and that's what, that's what grace is for. We think grace is taking the bronze bow, which is probably beautiful, and just like shining it up so that it looks good and makes it in the display case afterwards, you know. But God has, I think, a different idea about what is worthy of honor, what, what goes on display. He wants to know that when the arrows of his plan are loaded into us, that we'll fire. And he gives us grace for that. Now, I mean, maybe not a lot of you are into archery, so I picked kind of an image for this that I think is more like up my street. I've fired a bow before, but never a bronze one, you know. Um, just thinking about like that image of, are we just shining it up? Or is there something more to it? So in my world, and maybe some will identify guitars. I feel like when I hold a guitar, or especially a bass because they're so heavy, it feels like a weapon to me of worship. Like I'm like wielding something that is doing spiritual impact. It's fun. So that is brand new Fender Stratocaster. And it's all shiny. Um, and I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, it's all polished up because uh, somebody online whose picture I took is trying to sell it. So there's that. There's the, the shiny one. But then there's another kind. Look at this one. Almost the same, except it's got, like, things falling apart. I don't know if you can tell. Like, it used to be black. Like, you can't. It's, like, all just, like, wood color now. But, like... When you look at that, which, uh, which one of those guitars has more grace on it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a different kind of view of grace, isn't it? Because that one looks a mess, doesn't it? Which one was in the hands of a master? As kind of a like side note, which one played more wrong notes? That one did, for sure. Countless hours of practice. You could tell. I mean, it's like, looks like you kind of chewed on it there in the middle. I don't even know. 
not sure what that practice is, but this is grace to me. Like this thing has been worn and has entered the battle, has been in the hands of a master, and has produced things that are like legendary, especially if you like 80s rock. You know, that first guitar I showed you is, is going, the guy's asking for like a thousand bucks for it. That's kind of a lot, right? I don't know. I mean, it's nothing, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that one's wrong, but there are replicas of this guitar where they like scratch the paint off and make it look like that on purpose. Replicas of this guitar sell for 40 grand. The actual guitar, I don't even think you could buy it. Like, I don't know who owns it or where it is even, but it, it's like more than you could imagine. And I'm not like saying that that's really a good thing, but I'm just telling you that's how much it's worth. And that's, that's grace. Do you, do you see the picture? The marks and the scratches and scuffs and the, it's all our marks of grace, emblems of grace. Those are places where the power of the master enabled that guitar to do something. Guys, we didn't get saved to be pretty. <laughs> right? <laughs> Man, God's grace, yes, it makes us beautiful. It makes us beautiful in his sight and to the world. People that are being called by his grace will see it in us. But it's like an unexpected beauty. It's like the beauty of that dinged-up guitar that played all those amazing solos. You know? And it's not what people are expecting. So there is beauty to it. But the real beauty of grace is not just that it makes us beautiful. It makes us powerful. You know, that's the excitement in it. I'm just done with trying to be beautiful, you know. God can make me that if he wants, but I want to do something. Do you want to do something? I mean, come on. Is this not already the stuff that we're dreaming about doing? We have things to do, and I believe that the dreams of God are already being written on your heart. And he's given you grace to do those things. The dreams are part of the grace, and the grace of God will lift you up out of the troubles that you're in and empower you to achieve the dreams that he's given you for the life of your city and your family and the ones you love. It will. And that's beautiful, right? That's what I want. You guys want to stand? Let's ask God to do that with us.